drink some, smoke some, go and get it in. <laughs> Welcome to Sibling Revelry. I'm Caitlin Perlman. I am Andrew Merriweather. And uh, we're siblings. And also best friends. And also roommates. And also uh, co-philanthropists. Um, we serve uh, underserved children who serve overserved children <laughs> who then go back to serve underserved children. What does that even mean? <laughs> what do you mean? We founded it together. <laughs> The, the Perlman Merriweather Foundation for Have underserved. Have you forgotten the mission statement already? <laughs> okay, that's the that's the mission statement? It's the long con. Yeah, we, we're looking really long term. Okay, uh, that's a lot of, I don't know, I just feel like we could be a little uh, clearer. Save it for the board meeting. <laughs> so this is a podcast. This is a radio show. It is indeed. Where we, each week, one of us brings in a topic. This week it's my turn. Uh, Caitlin has no idea what the topic is, and we will discuss it at length. Uh, this is a spontaneous conversation. We have never discussed this topic, at least not in recent history. So each week, Caitlin and I speak for a demographic. We don't speak for ourselves. We speak for everybody uh, who fits our specific profile. Um, so Caitlin, who are you speaking for today? This week, I'm going to be speaking for all playwrights who are one sixteenth Cherokee mm. um, and who have uh, studied martial arts on and off from a very young age. All right. Well, so for, for myself, uh, today I'm speaking for all uh, early 20s males um, who are from Welsh, have a Welsh origin and who have also lost at least six pairs of Ray-Ban knockoff sunglasses <laughs> during their their tenure on Earth. <laughs> Did you count? Um, I'm that's why I'm saying at least six because, because I you know, know for you can sure think of six, but there may be more. I've lost there's, six. There's definitely more because not only do you lose things easily, but then you forget things easily. <laughs> <laughs> but I have two pairs of sunglasses right now, which I've held on to. I thought I had lost one pair, <laughs> I because I fell for that Facebook scam and I bought. Did you, find, did you find them? I found them in my glove compartment. Yes. So they were great knockoffs, too. They were it was very, very funny solid. that you fell for the scam, and then the scam like kind of worked out for yeah, you, actually. Yeah, it turned out to be okay. <laughs> they were Chinese knockoff Ray-Bans, but... But look good-looking. They, yeah, they were fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully I can hold on to these two. We'll see. I hope so. Are you ready for the topic? I am. Okay. So this week... I want to take us in a musical direction. Okay. Okay. So I, my wonder has been, uh, is it ever permissible to pirate music? Mm. Uh, and if so, what is the situation in which it's okay to pirate music? Um, and I'm sort of just sort of wondering in general, you know, as we move into this new age of music consumption, you know, what is the moral landscape going to be for that? Right. Um, and, per, and and I thought about this recently because for Halloween we watched Hocus Pocus, mm-hmm. and we pirated it with our group of friends. Yeah, because um, I think we thought it was going to be. We like thought it was going to be on Netflix, yeah. and then it wasn't on Netflix. And we had built a fort, and we had really <laughs> invested a lot of time into watching Hocus Pocus, <laughs> and to not watch it is, I mean, sad. But so so we, I mean, we we pirated it. And then we watch it. Should we it. say this on the radio? That <laughs> well, we I assume that like no one's 
No, I don't think it's a problem. I mean, we actually we didn't. Someone we know. Someone we know. So, so if the police come to us, we will eat, like without question rat that person out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to jail for pirating Hocus Pocus. Fair enough. <laughs> so, so that's my topic for this week. Okay, pirating music. Well, you know, the first thing that popped into my head when when you said that is I was thinking about a conversation that I had when I was in college. And I feel like this was around the time, it's going to maybe reveal my age a little bit and how long it's been since I've been in college, but um, it was around the time that actually pirating music was starting to become really popular. Um, and there was this sort of question of, yeah, who do you who do you download illegally and who do you purchase? And I feel like maybe purchasing on iTunes wasn't as big, as popular as it is now. Um, but I remember specifically having a conversation about Shakira and how... Um, I had my hands on some pirated Shakira music because I love to dance to it. But I was like, but I'm not going to give her my money. And then one of my friends called me out and said, but you know what? Like, she's actually a really cool person and, like, she gives charity. And I was like, now I'm a jerk. And uh, and I remember thinking, well, yeah, why, why am I justifying pirating this pop music? I assume that this artist is making just tons of money, whereas I wouldn't pirate somebody that I know is – maybe a more struggling musician or is like trying to get by and maybe I, who I, who I think of as being more respectable as an artist in reality, like Shakira's great and I would totally go gay for her. She's like on my go gay list. Yeah. She's foxy. Yeah. Uh, and she can sing and she can belly dance like nobody's business. So like, I don't know why I'm, I don't know why I felt like I could justify that. Uh, but I was glad I was called out cause it made me really think about it. Yeah, well, I think that's something that people talk about a lot is, I've, I mean, I've, at least I've heard multiple people say to me, like, when they've pirated music, this person, well, this person is either rich, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a person who's a pop star or who has been relatively prolific in the music industry, and therefore they're like, what's what's one album, right? Right. Um, not a huge deal. They're getting endorsements from all sorts of... I don't know, magazines or fashion companies or, or what have you. And therefore, it's not a huge deal for me to pirate their music. Or, like you're saying, like, such and such is a, like, it's kind of a jerk. So it's not a, but I like their music, so I'm going to just download it. Mm-hmm. Right. That seems like a pretty flimsy, a pretty flimsy <laughs> argument. Right. To, but especially to... since you don't know this person. At right. All. Exactly. I mean, I'm it's... not saying, I, to be clear, I wasn't saying Shakira is a jerk. I said I felt like a jerk because I found out right, that right, she right. Was, she's, she's a cool person. Well, me, what made me think about that is someone saying, but, but you know Shakira is a cool person, as if that made a difference in whether or not... True, right? right. Like that it's it's still there. It's still there. They still own the rest of their <laughs> Right. Whether or not they're a jerk very, or not. Very good point. <laughs> excellent, excellent point. Um, when, so, I mean... I I go back and forth about pirating music. I mean, I'll say outright that, like, high school and college was, like, pirating central. I mean, like, everyone I knew was pirating music. Like, that was... Well, and there was all this... I mean, in college, there are all these file-sharing sites where you're sharing files with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I remember I didn't even really do this myself, my... My roommate in college didn't have her computer. Her, work, her computer wasn't working for a while, and she downloaded basically a file sharing um, software service to share files. And so she downloaded all this stuff 
pirated all this stuff onto my computer, which I then kept, like I benefited from it. But I remember like sort of being sort of blown away by the amount of sharing that was going on um, among college students. Oh yeah, it was, I mean, all, like for a while, the majority of my library was either music that I had pirated or that someone I knew had pirated and then given to me on like a USB drive. Right. I mean, that was just how you got music. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there was like, nobody thought twice about it really. Because, like, I mean, you heard about it in the news sometimes, and there was a period of time in which there was these commercials. I remember there was, like, these commercials that were, like, you wouldn't steal a car. Like, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't steal, steal a DVD. A, right, yeah. exactly. It's exactly that. We're thinking of the same commercial. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, kind of, like, there, there was, like, sort of that talk around it. But then that sort of fell off really quickly. It's almost like people, like, resigned themselves to the fact that, like, pirating was just going to happen. Right. Okay, Kaylin, let's take a step away from the conversation for a little bit. Give us a little break. Uh, and I think we should turn to our, our newest segment, uh, which we're calling The Tangent with Julia Howland. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously in conversations, any topic we cover can go in many different directions. And we often take it in a specific direction. And it's nice to hear from someone else and hear what they think of a certain topic and where they take that. Especially when they're articulate and a good writer. Exactly. So let's take a turn towards what Julia thinks. An open letter to Spotify. Spotify, my mom is a classical pianist. She's made more than 10 albums, several of which are Christmas music. A friend of hers described recording Christmas music as hoeing in the music business. My mom didn't like that. And although I prefer not to think of my mom as hoeing, even in a metaphorical sense, it sounds like an accurate assessment to me. But to give her due credit, she's an amazing pianist, and the Christmas albums feature her own arrangements of the songs you know and love in varying styles, all of them classy as F. I could not do that, nor could most people. So if it's Hoenn, it's Hoenn that requires some talent. Not that real Hoenn doesn't require talent. I mean, if you want to make good money, I digress. Spotify, my mom is on you. As in, she's an artist that can be listened to on Spotify. She wants to grow her listener base, but you won't let her. Let me explain. She feels that the path to that increased listener base is getting a hold of your analytics. Who's listening to what, when, and from where, so maybe she can figure out why and do more of whatever that thing is. But she's not good enough for you until she has 250 followers. Why not Spotify? Is it logistically difficult to give musicians their analytics? Is that actually an arduous process? Can't you just push a button? Or do you have a developer locked in a cage writing whole new sections of code 24-7 for each new artist who hits 250 followers? Maybe you're trying to cultivate a feeling of exclusivity. Maybe you're trying to motivate my mom to pound the social media pavement and get at least 120 more people to sign up and begin to listen to her so much that they can't stand the ads and feel compelled to subscribe to Spotify Premium for $9.99 a month. I see. I have answered my own question. You're not trying to hold up the over 250 subscribers as some kind of aspirational example for local musicians like my mom. You're just trying to taunt her with what she could be doing if she tried harder or was internet savvier so you can squeeze your $9.99 a person out of her, dare I call it blood money. Okay, maybe not blood money, perspiration money, saliva money, one of the less serious bodily fluids money. You've caused me emotional distress too, Spotify. My mom kind of begged me to get her to the 250 mark. I think I only got her three new followers. The incident called into question my very competence as a millennial. 
I've always imagined that if I had the right material, I could make a video go viral. Or if I hit on the right idea, I could have a popular blog. But would anyone even look? These are the uncertainties you've introduced into my life, Spotify. I hope that she does get 250 followers, but that not a single one of them jumps on the Spotify premium bandwagon and you Scrooges don't see a cent. I hope that in a crazy trend no one saw coming, classical music makes a comeback, and she gets so many followers that she can afford to refuse to stream her next album because your pay-per-play numbers don't add up to a living wage for the little people. I hope she has sleepovers with Taylor Swift where they drink Chardonnay and complain about you. Maybe Taylor will teach my mom how to use Instagram and they'll start a hashtag campaign against you. She'll do remixes with Fetty Wap, and kids will think that Mazurka number 11 and E minor Opus 17 number 2 was always introduced with 1738 and full of yaw babies. I hope that one day my mom will be so relevant that if it were still the early aughts, people would be lime-wiring her like crazy. But I guess in an age where Lindsay Sterling and Andrea Bocelli make up the tenuous thread that ties pop and classical together, that's a pipe dream. And I'll have to keep lying to my mom, assuring her that if I only had the time, I could get her to 250. Full disclosure, I'm a happy and entirely dependent Spotify premium user. Who owns the music? Right. Well, that, I mean, that's kind of getting diving more into the politics of the industry and, and artists who get kind of screwed over, um, artists who get who um who think they're signing up for fame and fortune and they get maybe fame but record label gets a lot of the fortune you know um although it's a whole new frontier now uh with i mean yeah the concept of the re- of a record label in a lot of areas of music i feel like is almost moot um but but yeah, I think, I think I was hearing, I was listening to the radio, Top 40 radio, which is what I listen to when I'm driving in the car. Right. And somebody, it might have been Ryan Seacrest actually, uh, was talking about having talked to Megan Trainer recently about uh, how she must just be killing it right now um, financially. And, uh, and she commented on actually not seeing very much of that money yet, that there's actually this huge delay in, in, I mean, you know, you hear her song five times a day on the radio and now she's got like three different songs out or whatever. And you hear them five times a day on the radio. If you listen to top 40 and you see her, you know, performing at various pop culture related things and you see her, uh, you know, getting lots of hits on YouTube and you think to yourself, well, she's, she's killing it. She's doing really well. And like, then actually you realize that like very little of that money is something she's actually seen that she's sort of working towards, like she's almost working and there's this gap where she's like waiting for the fight for the finances to catch up. And I like, that kind of blew my mind. Huh. It's like nine months, like a nine month gap in which like she, she had to wait for, all of that to like carry carry over. I don't know what it, I, and I don't know what causes that. Um, waiting to see the the revenue from your own album sales for that long. I don't know. You think you see you just suddenly hear about a name and it seems like they're everywhere and it's like instant success and you just imagine them like just rolling in it. And the truth is that they're in a lot of cases waiting for that money. Yeah, well, because it kind of goes back to what you were talking about, where a lot of the time people justify 
not buying music because they assume that these people are must be rolling in dough because they're being played on Top 40, they're getting appearances on television, things like that, which I guess, you know, now that I think about it, I mean, we just assume that people are getting paid a lot of money to go do those things, but we don't actually know that. Right. I mean, we have no way of knowing, like, who's really benefiting from, like, I, I think of, like, um, Hosier as being someone. I'd be curious to know what his financial mm-hmm. success has been because he's someone who has been, you know, popular in Top 40, sort of like Megan Trainer, and, like, he was on the Grammys, he's been on mm-hmm. television, he's, you know, you know, uh, been all over YouTube getting interviewed and things like that. But I have no idea how much those people get paid right. to do those things. Well, and in terms of, yeah, like TV appearances, I mean, think about if somebody said to you or me, you can be on TV and promote the thing that you do. You'd be like, we would be like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> do like now. And they'd be like, we're not going to pay you anything. would be like, fair okay, enough. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Um, at what point do you hit that threshold where suddenly they want, they need you more than you need them? All right, Andrew, I think we should pause. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, get a, into a little, something a little uh, less profoundly important than, yeah. than music piracy. Maybe get our heads above water. Yeah, I agree. Uh, We're going to do another uh, version of this segment that we introduced last week, although we are changing the name. Name change. Name change. (laughs) This was called One Line Answers, which was a very straightforward (laughs) moniker, I would say. (laughs) Maybe a little too straightforward. Maybe a little too on the nose. A little too on the nose. (laughs) uh... So we're changing the name to... I don't have time for this. So what did you bring in? What did you bring in this week? Yes, well, this, it's my turn this week because because you brought the topic. Um, so I have three questions. Two of them are mine, and one of them is from a surprise special guest. <laughs> Perfect. Would you like to hear my first question? I, I would. All right. My first question to you, Andrew, and to you, audience. When you find a spider in your house, do you immediately get rid of it, or do you let it hang around and eat the, all the other bugs? Uh, I let I let it stay around because karma is real, mm. and therefore I do not want the repercussions of killing that. Because Lord knows the tables could turn all too quickly. <laughs> I want that spider to remember what I did. You, yeah, because it will definitely remember with its giant spider brain. <laughs> I mean, if karma is real, like all doors are open. I mean, as far as memory is concerned, if so. karma is real. I don't know. If, I don't know. You don't know. You don't know where you stand. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it's going to keep you up at night. <laughs> well, my response is <laughs> much more mundane than that. Uh, once it's the size of a quarter or larger, it's gone. See, it's, but those are a lot of the time the ones that eat your bugs. Yeah, but they also might eat me. <laughs> the little dudes do not, but like the little guys do not bother me. Are you ready for your second question? I'm ready for second question. Okay. The second question is, um, looking at all of the superheroes, fictional superheroes who have ever been created, which superhero would you least want to exist in real life? <laughs> um, probably, oh God, what's the name? 
what's the name of those twins that when they put their rings together, they can transform into other things? The Wonder Twins? God, the Wonder Twins are the most annoying superhero pair ever. I mean, just the most annoying superheroes, period. One, because they're always turning into a bucket of water. Yeah, one of them always has to be water-related. Right. That's part, that's, of the, that's part of the limitation of their powers. So I feel like if they were actually real, like, and you ran into them, like, at a, at a bar or something, like, they would just always be doing that trick. Yeah, that'd you know? be irritating. So I'm going to say uh, the Wonder Twins because they're obnoxious. <laughs> that's your one-line answer? That's my one-line answer. Even though you explained it a lot in a lot more sentences, I'll well, let you get away with it. you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my my answer for this is the Hulk because accelerated heart rates are like a daily occurrence for normal human beings and he can't control that stuff. So it's dangerous. Do you think if when the Hulk gets older and he starts having like urythmia or like heart palpitations, like he temporarily, like it's like a flash Hulk situation mm. where he's like blah and then it's like back and there's a blah and it's like I feel like I don't know that's I mean well there are all kinds of physiological problems with the Hulk <laughs> as a concept as a really <laughs> you think so I just feel like I don't know eventually over time his skin must gets really stretched because he gets so much bigger all right well that's all right what's your third one um a third one is not mine this is uh, a question that was asked of me um by a student of mine who I work with on a regular basis and who I happen to believe is a comic genius. Um, her name is Jasmine, and she's <laughs> awesome. And uh, she once made this suggestion for a possible... She wanted us to talk about this for an hour. She wanted us to... <laughs> this is. She wanted us to address this issue, this question, for a full topic, but I did not feel it merited that as much as I love her. <laughs> um, so I'm asking it now. Okay. Here's the question. Are you ready? I'm ready. What if you want to milk a goat, but you just can't? <laughs> that, those are the exact words, by the way. How does that, like, how does that come to a person's mind? <laughs> it's a mystery. It's it's, oh, uh, okay. it's a mystery of Jasmine's a, community What if genius. you want to milk a goat, but you just can't? So part of my oh God, okay, I'm not gonna explain it first. I'm gonna give my answer. Um, I don't know. Uh, find a better hobby. <laughs> See, it's unclear in the question because it could be you just can't like you can't bring yourself to, which right. is what I'm addressing in my uh -huh. one line answer. Like you just should do something else. Like you right, need, like right. move on. And I guess I I'm addressing maybe a slightly different version of the question. Because okay. my answer is very short and sweet. Okay. Try harder. <laughs> That's my answer. Because I'm imagining a person who's like, I really need to milk this, like, I really want to milk this goat, but I just can't figure out how to do, how it. To do it. And right. you just have to put more effort in. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, so the, that's it. Those were three fantastic questions. Thank you. Yes. I think I'm feeling settled and ready to return to piracy and music. As am I. Well, and the good news, I think the good news is that there are lots of artists who are not even on that level of, of top 40 superstar kind of artists, but who are, be, are, who are being creative in the way that they're able to generate revenue with their fans. So, you know, playing live shows, like going on tour, playing live shows, but, you know, CD sales, but also like vinyl sales. I mean, vinyl is back in a huge way. 
And I know that a lot of, I mean, we go see music all the time. You and I are music goers. Because mm-hmm. um, we haven't, because Chapel Hill is a great music scene. Um, but I feel like we've had uh, multiple situations in which, which an art, it's, a, it's a band, an artist we really respect. And, and so we choose to purchase something from them um, at the show, whether it's a t-shirt swag, that kind of thing, or if it, it's a, it's a, you know, a limited edition seven inch vinyl record that you couldn't, we couldn't get somewhere else. And it's sort of this collector's item kind of thing. Artists can be creative in that way. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing you have to do as an artist. Like you probably have to build a niche market for, I mean, cause what, I mean, the benefit of the internet, I mean, on the, on the flip side of things, right? So like, on the one hand, the internet has expanded the ability for people to download things illegally. On the other hand, it's also given artists the opportunity to have a much wider audience base and to build a niche where, like, now all of a sudden you don't have to be dependent on Top 40 Radio to mm-hmm. get you broadcasted to millions. If you just had, like, 2,000 devoted fans from the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that actually, in a lot of ways... The like experience of seeing live music is is in some ways more valuable than it has been in the past. I think I speak for you when I say this, but I I love going to live shows because I know that what I'm experiencing can never be experienced again and will never be experienced again and has never been experienced before. And I'm in this unique moment and there will be things that will stand out to me um, about it and there will things that there will be things that I forget, but it's experiential. Hmm. That music can be experiential rather than material. So, it was part, um, so part of your point is that, on the one hand, even when albums get cheaper, less emphasis gets put on them. It increases emphasis on mm-hmm. the live show. And those who are successful perform well. Um, I mean, I think about all the music we've gone to see, and just every time I felt like every time we walked away in the past year, two years that we've seen shows, it's been like. We've said to ourselves, like, that was an amazing show. It's one of the best shows we've seen all year. And then we realize that we've seen just, like, the best shows we've mm-hmm. seen all year. We've, like, it, it's, con- it's, it's just people are doing, are, are killing it. Or, like, when we saw the Mountain Goats and John Darnielle sitting down for the, for, it was, I don't remember if it was an encore. Second encore. Yeah, and said, I'm going to sing this song that I, that I wrote for my son. I don't sing this in concert. Put your phones away. Do not record this. This is for you in this moment. And that was like, uh, you know, it was us and the whatever, 200 pe- other people in the room who got to experience that thing. And that was worth the like $25 or whatever that I paid for that ticket. Absolutely. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we're getting to this place where people who truly appreciate music are going to be able to keep keep it going, keep the artists who who really need that money going enough with the live shows and with that, with the merchandise and with the sort of special edition records and all that. I, I sort of have faith that there are enough people out there who, who believe in, who love music and believe in the integrity of keeping music alive that they will want to shell out money to support it. Okay. So I guess trying to like kind of bring us back to like where we're landing. I think it's, you've, you've sort of have sort of stated where you are, but just for, like, you know, is it ever permissible to pirate music? Um, and, you know, if so, when? 
And if not, then why not? <sighs> I'm just going to say no. It's not. Not okay to pirate music. Not okay to pirate music. Because I just, I mean, I, I've already made this point, but at this point, why would you? When there are so many ways in which you can listen to music for free. Um, and if you care enough about, I, I think if you care enough about an artist that you do want their whole album and you want to be able to listen to their whole album all the way through, then you should pay the nine ninety nine or whatever to buy it. I mean, this the other thing. Music is less expensive. An album is less expensive now than it was when we were buying CDs. Um, you could pay, you could shell out fifteen, sixteen, seventeen dollars for a CD back in the day when I was in middle school and buying CDs. Um, so it's actually less expensive because I don't have to produce nearly as much, almost no, no physical product. It's all digital. And so things can actually be cheaper. And so I don't know. I don't, I, I don't understand. I don't think it's something – it's not something that is illegal that is also justified because you couldn't get it some other way. Um, even for free, that there, that there are avenues to do that. And that, uh, I think you would, I think as a person pirating music, you would be severely uncomfortable sitting down with the artist who you were pirating and justifying spreading their music far and wide for free and, and how, and, and what they might have to say about that. And I think that's the other thing about the internet is there's no accountability. So you're a, you're an anonymous person. You don't have to see the impact of that. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to say no. I don't, I don't think pirating is a good thing. I don't think you should do it. I think I've got to agree. I mean, I think especially because there's services like Spotify and Pandora, which, I mean, say what you want to say. I think there's a moral argument to be made about why those, those things need to be re... Mm -hmm. It's not perfect by any stretch. No. I mean, they need to be reevaluated to to better serve artists. But I think that because there's enough avenues right now to get music in a way that you're at least paying artists something, even if it sucks, I mean, hopefully it'll get better. You know, it's, I think that that's better than downloading that album for free. And I think that you should, you should hold yourself to a standard of like, you should really try to listen to the music that you want to listen to. And if you like an artist, you should pay for their music. Right? I mean, like, you just, you should. Right. I mean, and I think you should you should think about music as something that you're investing in and a person that you're investing in or a group of people that you're investing in. Um, and you should do that. You've been listening to the Dispatch of the Sibling Revelry podcast. If you want to hear more of this conversation, you can download the radio cut of this episode on our SoundCloud. If you want to join the conversation, you can write into us at siblingrevelrypodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us on Twitter at sibling underscore revelry or follow us on Instagram at the same handle. This episode was produced and edited by Andrew Merriweather. Our music is by Fleming Gosis. You can find more of his work at flemingosis.com. A special thanks to Fred Good for his wisdom and to Julia Howland for her tangent this week. And thanks to you for listening. Thanks for listening.